At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With myself, Craig Eats Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you, and we've got a two-part podcast for you. We're going to be joined in segment number two by one of our favorites, Tristan Freeman. He does absolutely tremendous work over at Boston Brackets. We're going to be diving in on what has been a very, very interesting offseason for Memphis. I did this just before knowing Jaquan Walton was going to be heading on over to Memphis as well, the interview with him. So there is that aspect of it. But we know that Tiafali Leonard, he is now out of the fold for Memphis as he has decided that he's starting up his pro career. They were able to add in over the last week, week and a half or so, Javon Quinterly. They added in Jordan Brown late. There has been a lot of moving parts with Memphis, so we've got to be addressing that. We're also going to be diving in on the USC ordeal as well. Very unfortunate what happened with Bronny James. Where does USC go from here? What can we expect out of them moving forward? And should they be the favorites out there in the Pac-12? We're going to be avoiding the controversies that you might be finding on social media. This is a podcast that is dedicated to the actual basketball. This is not a place for taking a look at other things. So we are going to be keeping it to the basketball aspect of USC. So we're going to be diving in there. Certainly do want to wish the best of wishes to Bronny James and the entire family. Very unfortunate situation, but we're looking at the basketball aspects of that with them. Where do they rank in terms of Pac-12? And then we're going to be highlighting a few mid-major teams that are going a little bit under the radar. I know that there are a few teams from the Ryzen League that our good friend Tristan Freeman is a little bit bullish on, and there's one or two that I am as well. We're going to be looking at those in segment number two. And if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GN underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M. They mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. And let's dive into what we've seen over the last 48 hours because typically I do a roundup of the last 24 hours of college basketball news and notes, but... As you guys know, we got a MAC conference preview up yesterday. I'm planning on doing the MEAC within the next 48 to 72 hours as well. I was actually able to find a guest for the MEAC podcast as well. Typically, I have to do that one all by myself. So, a big shout out there. That is going to be a lot of fun. The folks over at Mid-Major Madness getting me all hooked up. So, we do appreciate that. But really, the biggest piece of news that we've seen over the last, we're going to call it 48 or so hours, is the fact that Jake Wombold, he heads on over to Memphis and 
is pretty much the replacement to Tiafali Leonard, who I mentioned a little bit before he is going pro. And I do think that this is honestly a relatively good swap. The upside for Walton, I don't think it's quite that of Leonard. I feel like his floor is a little bit higher, though, with Walton. Last year, he was at Wichita State and was supposed to go to Alabama. And I thought he had committed somewhere else as well. Walton has been like the college basketball version of the Olive Garden Basket of Breadsticks this offseason. He's been getting passed around from one school to another school to another school. And now he's going to be ending up at Memphis. So there's that. But for Walton last season, 13.9 points per contest. Shot 40% from three-part range. That's relatively solid size at right around six foot seven, a former top 100 recruit was able to reel in a little bit over five rebounds per game. So that is going to be big for a bunch that, I mean, once again, we thought that Tiafali Leonard, he was going to be going into the fold. And I thought that for Leonard, he was going to be able to do a relatively solid job with this bunch. And for Middle Tennessee last season, he didn't necessarily put up the world's biggest numbers or anything like that. He was like a number four, number five scorer, but he's a six foot seven, little bit of a jitterbug guy. Eight and a half points, four boards from three-point range. He really didn't shoot it well there, but he was able to give you 1.8 blocks per contest. He was able to give you a seal and a half per game as well. Was very much a little bit more of a defense-oriented player with Walton. I think you're going to get a little bit more offense, but you're probably not going to get as much defense and as much versatility as you were going to out of Leonard as well. So very interesting to see how Memphis is going to be able to form this roster moving forward because apparently they may not be done as well. You bring in Javon Quinterly, you bring in all these guys, and it sounds like DeAndre Williams, he may or may not get approved to be able to play another year of college basketball. And for DeAndre Williams, he's going to be like, I think, 27 or 28 years old if he's able to get that waiver to be able to play another year. But keep in mind, he was a guy that was able to average 17.5 points per game and chop 40% from three as a six foot nine, a little bit of a combo player. So that would be absolutely massive for them. We also did see Samba Diallo. He was playing two seasons ago over at Manhattan. Last season, he did not get out there on the floor with everything that happened at Manhattan, but he is actually going to be heading on over to Merrimack. The old Merrymen get a nice addition here for Diallo. Has always been a rock-solid server. Began his career at UMass, and I feel like his best year did come while he was at UMass during the 2019-20 season in the Atlantic 10. He was able to register six and a half points, six boards, a little bit under a steal per contest. Guy that is tried to th- shoot threes in the past, never really had success doing so. A career 23% three point shooter at right around about six foot seven, six foot eight, and he was able to improve his ability to be able to nab some steals while he was at Manhattan over the last two seasons. But very big for Merrimack. He is a guy with active hands with some relatively good size. I think that he is going to be a very good fit for the old Merry Men. So Credit where credit is due there. And then we saw Cedric Garrett, who was playing at Northwestern State last season. And two seasons ago at Northwestern State, Cedric Garrett was a solid player. Seven and a half points, three and a half boards, nearly a steal per contest. Shot about 32.5% for three-point range. For Northwestern State standards, not too shabby there. Last season just was not able to see a lot of minutes. You saw the coaching change of Corey Gibson. He just really didn't fit the mold of what they were looking for. And now he's decided that he is going down to the non-D1 level. He's going to be going to Southern Arkansas. So very easy for your handicapping. All you need to note is that Mr. Garrett, he was with Northwestern State last season. He's down at Southern Arkansas. Cross him off your list of guys that you need to evaluate and move on. Ashton Miles DeVore, he was over at Louisville last season. Very rare that you find a guy at a blue blood school like 
Louisville going down to the D3 level. He is going to be playing at the University of Mary Hardin Baylor, a very good D3 school, a school that has won D3 football national championships. So I will not speak badly of Mary Hardin Baylor. They took down UW Oshkosh in the 2016 college football national title game. So I am forever a little bit salty at Mary Hardin Baylor because I am a UW Oshkosh graduate. But a congratulations there to him. Once again, case where you just cross him off your list of guys that you need to evaluate and move on. And then for Pacific, they were able to get a little bit of an ad as well. For Pacific, lots of moving parts in recent years for this team. And they're going to be looking to Rakeem Gary to be able to help out the offense. Last season, he was playing over at South Carolina State. So it is going to be quite a leap going from the MEAC over to the West Coast Conference. But last season for Gary, was able to put up 11.8 points, 2.5 assists, steal per contest. Career about 35% three-point shooter. A little bit undersized at right around five foot ten, but I do think that he can be able to come in, be able to make a little bit of an interesting contribution for a Pacific team that they just really need to improve that defense a little bit more. He did not play a ton of defense at South Carolina State as well, but this team is also going to be bringing in Luson Holmes Jr. He was over at South Carolina State. He was really their primary shooter from three-point range, made over 40% of his threes for a South Carolina State team that they shot it well from three, didn't play a lot of defense, so I think that they're going to be blending in quite well over at Pacific for this upcoming season. So that's what we all saw in the last 48 hours of college basketball news and notes. A couple nice headlines there, and we're going to be diving in a little bit more with Memphis in the next segment with our good friend Tristan Freeman over at Boston Brackets. Got to be identifying what we're all getting in the Pac-12 and USC with the very unfortunate situation that did happen with Brody James. And we're going to give a little bit of a highlight to some of the mid-major teams, especially out there in the Rising League teams that we feel like are being slept upon and deserve a little bit more love and could be in for a surprise season. We're going to have that chat with Tristan next right here on Cusco Soups with myself, Greggie Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation. I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Las Vegas for Cus Cussings with myself, Greg Eves Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast, and it is great to be joined by this man as Tristan Freeman does absolutely impeccable work over at Boston Brackets, taking a look at the game that we all know and love of college basketball. He is out there in the great state of Pennsylvania holding it down there, but does a great job keeping his finger on the pulse of all things college basketball, covering all currently 362 D1 teams, and you're able to follow Tristan on Twitter. At hoops not three five one all together and Tristan, it is always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me, Greg. Appreciate it. I appreciate you, Tristan. And Tristan, it, when it comes to the off season, you really never know what you're going to get. And very unfortunate situation that we did see over the last few days at USC. We saw Bronny James apparently while he was working out, preparing for the upcoming season, going to cardiac arrest. From everything I heard, this was very much a mere death situation, and he's actually lucky to be alive. So. Fortunately, sounding like things are much better on that front, and it sounds like he is going to be able to make a recovery. But no question about it, there is going to be a rehab that is going to be going on, and there is precedent for this with the Vincent Iwuchuku situation from last year with, ironically enough, USC as well. But how do you feel like this affects USC, and how do you think that they might proceed moving forward? Because I was expecting Bronny James to be a rather decent-sized part of the backcourt, but... I think that even though the name Bronny James carries a lot of weight, he wasn't an end-all, be-all player for USC as well. Yeah, like you said, first and foremost, the good news is that he's been discharged from the hospital and he's going to be able to go home and recover. That's the most important thing about this. From a strictly basketball standpoint, he was either as a starter or as a six-man supposed to be part of the, the backcourt depth because you have Isaiah Collier, number one incoming recruit, and then Boogie Ellis, who led the team to score last year. But there's not a lot of depth behind them because the team lost three guys to a transfer portal. You, you have uh, Ozias Sellers, who 
play limited minutes the past two years. You have Kobe Johnson, who was a starting wing for them. Depending on how long Ronnie is out, he's probably going to start for him as well. But there's not a ton of depth, and now you need Collier to be the real deal. He has to be one of the best freshmen in the country in order for them to be good. Because outside of that, outside of Boogie Ellis, you have DJ Whiteman, uh, the, the Wazoo transfer. Then you have a bunch of underclassmen forwards, including Iwachuku, that isn't necessarily proven. Not having Bronny from on the court standpoint is actually fairly big for him because he's supposed to play a large role because he's going to get 25 minutes, whether as a starter or the sixth man. Yep, absolutely. I do think that you bring up something very important with regards to the depth of USC and Many people at USC has had number one team prior to everything that happened this week in terms of odds, in terms of the Pac-12 two early power rankings. And I tell you right now, I was one of those people that had USC at number one. And personally, I still do think that even with this, USC is a team to beat, even if you get nothing out of Bronny James this year. And obviously, hopefully there is no rush to bring him back out there on the court. I think that it was very well said by you. I am someone that always wants to be taking a look at the game. You want to be taking a look at these scenes. But just from a human standpoint, you just want Bronny James to be able to lead a normal life and to be able to recover. That's first and foremost in a situation like this. But in my opinion, even if you get nothing out of Bronny James this year, I still do feel like USC is a team to beat just because there's not a lot of top-end firepower when it comes to the Pac-12. And obviously, because since realignment is now focused on everyone on everyone's mind, USC has a chance to do really well because this is a, a conference that is going to feature a lot of underclassmen players, especially on the perimeter. You look at Oregon and their five-star wings. UCLA is basically turning over its entire roster and has only two proven D1 players at this point. And Arizona brings back Umar Balo, but then it's going to be a new backcourt with them. This is a conference that USC, fully equipped, it can absolutely compete in, but if you don't have the depth, then you're going to rely on some guys having to play 35-plus minutes, and that's going to take a toll on them, especially when you travel to certain places, such as the Utah-Colorado road trip, and that's going to affect them come league play. Absolutely. I do think that that is going to be affecting them as well, and it's going to be very interesting to see what we get in the Pac-12 this year with lots of teams that are going to be in for their last hurrah as well. It's Tristan Freeman, who is who does tremendous work over at Boston Brackets, is joining me right here on Coast to Coast Hoops. And how do you take a look at some of these ordeals with some of these teams in sort of their swan song seasons in their respective conferences? Because you did talk about realignment a little bit there with the Pac-12 teams. The Los Angeles schools are going to be heading to the Big Ten next year. We saw what is going to be happening with Colorado heading on over to the Big 12. And speaking of the Big 12, Oklahoma, Texas, they're heading to the SEC next year. So this is going to be the last time that some of these Big 12 teams are going to be able to get a crack at them. Does that do anything for you in terms of taking a look at some of these matchups? Or do you think that it's a little bit more business as usual and that guys were going to be amped up for this game regardless of if it was going to be their last season within the conference or not? I mean, considering that we're now in the era where there's constant roster turnover, it really isn't going to matter because 70-plus percent of these guys aren't even going to be around when their respective teams move on. And then because the rivalries feel a bit diluted, I'm not sure there's going to be an ample amount of pressure. Like, is Oklahoma State's players necessarily going to get up for Oklahoma in the last year of Big 12 play when they need to be focused on like the Kansas and Houston in order to improve their NCAA tournament resume? So I'm not sure that it means much for any of these teams. 
especially now that you look at the Pac-12, because like, well, which of these teams in the Pac-12 is even going to be there for a while? Forget about what the LA schools are doing, what they're necessarily doing. So I think it's more to do with nothing concern or realignment when it comes to the players, and more so the administrations trying to position their programs in the best spot in the ongoing realignment. Yep, I'm right there with you. I think that you pretty much have the same opinion that I do on this. It's one of those cases where, yeah, maybe it means a little bit, but a lot of these guys were going to be moving on anyway in this day and age where you have so many guys that are going to be moving around left and right. It is a case where some of these rivalries, they're just not quite the same as they normally are. Now, if it would be a case where we'd be seeing someone like, I mean, if we saw North Carolina heading on over to the Big Ten or something like that, that swan song game between they and Duke, maybe that might be adding a little bit more juice. But, yeah, I'm in total agreement with you there as well. And then when it comes to this school, they have moved around quite a few conferences in recent years as well. And I think that they are going to be of intrigue because we just keep seeing them in the news. And I am talking about Memphis because Tiafali Leonard, it sounds like he is going to be starting up his professional career. We saw this just after they pick up Javon Quinterly from Alabama. I know that they have still been awaiting some news as to what's going to be happening with DeAndre Williams, who'd be like 26 or 27 years old, still playing college basketball. They pick up Jordan Brown a few weeks ago. So there is lots of moving parts with Memphis right now. What do you think the overall outlook is for the team? Because it feels like they've had the most movement of really any team at all of college basketball this offseason. Yeah, I mean, basically made the trade this week on the wings for Leonard, who was a stout defender, but not much of an offensive threat, for Jaquan Walton, who is an okay defender, but more about being a quality shooter, 40% from three at Wichita State last season. I think Memphis, once again, is going to have a ton of potential, but there's so many moving parts. And some of these pieces may not fit with one another. You know, a lot of these guys were role players after their previous stops. They're now going to be asked to be leading options, especially if DeAndre Andre Williams isn't clear. And who knows how that's ultimately going to turn out. But it's going to be a team that has the talent to absolutely do very well in the AAC. I mean, the question is going to be whether or not they should be picked ahead of FAU, who returns just about everyone from the Final Four campaign. I'm not sold on that just yet because I think while Memphis could have the higher ceiling, FAU certainly has the better floor to avoid potentially bad losses in league play. I do think so as well. And with Memphis, I do think that they've done a nice job of adding a little bit more shooting, which has always been a little bit of a kryptonite of theirs. Losing Kendrick Davis, no doubt that's rough for this team. And whenever Memphis has had their issues, it has been a little bit more via turnovers. But all in all, I do think that they're a team that's in good footing as well. This podcast is always in good footing when we welcome on this man, Tristan Freeman. He does tremendous work over at Bus and Brackets. And Tristan, I know you're doing a great job of getting set for the upcoming college basketball season. You've done a nice job of being able to spotlight these teams all off season long. Are there a few teams out there in more of the mid-major level that you've been taking a look at and you think this team maybe has a little bit of value and they're going a little bit under the radar because as we know, there's been a lot of movement this off season, and it's always a game of, all right, do we trust in the team that is bringing in a little bit more talent via the transfer portal or maybe a team with a little bit less talent, but they were able to maintain so much of their chemistry as well. 
Is there any teams that are really standing out to you that you're just feeling very bullish on more at the mid-major level that maybe are not getting the love that you feel like they deserve? One team to keep an eye on is Youngstown State. And obviously their head coach was part of the West Virginia coaching sweepstakes, Derek Calhoun, since he was in the Bob Huggins tree. But for a team that lost so much talent, that won the Horizon League regular season last year, I think there's sort of an expectation that they might take a step off, but they brought in a lot of talent, and they recently had a foreign tour themselves, one of the earlier ones, from small accounts, looked fairly impressive. Brandon Rush, who's back for fifth year, apparently is set to be the lead scorer for them. And I think in a Horizon League that lost a ton of individual talent, don't be surprised if Youngstown State is once again in position to win the league, which is surprising because it's been a program that has for a while sort of struggled to get out the bottom and middle tier. Now they look like they can go on a run as long as Calhoun is still there, of course. Yep, and I think that you bring up something interesting about them as well because with the Horizon League, we've really seen the conference go on some tough times in recent years as well. We remember the days, especially when Butler was in there. That's going way back in the day, but... I mean, back when they had Butler, things were looking very good for that conference. And even when, like, Valparaiso was able to make the NCAA tournament, they were able to get some 14 seeds. Things were relatively solid there. But in recent years, we've seen the Ryzen League be drawing a lot of 16 seeds. We saw that with Northern Kentucky last year, though. Northern Kentucky certainly played much more admirably than your average 16 seed. But do you think overall the Ryzen League is a little bit of stock up? Because you bring up Youngstown State, and they're one of my top teams in the Ryzen League as well. But my favorite in the Ryzen League is actually Wright State. That is very dependent upon whether or not they get a waiver for Tanner Holden, because if they don't, then I would agree with you. I would be putting Youngstown State in front of them. But all in all, I do take a look at the Ryzen League, and I do think that there's a little bit more talent in the conference this year than there has been the past few years. The problem with the Horizon League is that they have, they've had two of the worst teams in all college basketball in recent years in Green Bay and IUPUI. They've been truly terrible. Their presence alone just brings down the Horizon League statistically, which is why the conference has been getting a 15 and 16 seed range. Those teams on paper looks like they're going to improve. And if they can just be normally bad, if, they, if that makes sense, and not historically awful where they can't even beat non-D1 foes, then that's going to raise the standards of the league. And the two new members, RMU and Purdue Fort Wayne, have sort of put themselves in the middle of the pack conversation. They're going to be competitive. And the teams like Milwaukee and Cleveland State bring back most of their rosters. They're going to be primed to compete again. I do think the Horizon League is in solid shape. They just have to get that bottom tier up so then everyone can benefit as a result. Yep, and then the team that I mentioned before, Northern Kentucky, that made the NCAA tournament last year, they're a team that I think right there is going to be in the thick of it as well. I think that as long as Tanner Holden is going to be in the full for right state, it really goes Youngstown State, Northern Kentucky, right state for me as well. So I am right there with you. And how are you viewing this Robert Morris team as well? Because I know that they lost a star player, Enoch Cheeks. That's going to be a big deal for them. But Robert Morris has actually done a very good job by the transfer portal. They've added in some former top 250 recruits that are going to be coming in and I do think that all in all, for Andy Toole, it's been very much a retooling, for lack of a better term, with regards to this conference. But I think that he's done quite a good job because I think what goes under the radar is that a lot of people, including myself, were surprised when they really struggled when they initially went into the Ryzen League. But I think what goes under the radar is sometimes we don't realize that the NEC is a little bit of a step down as compared to, say, the Ryzen League, some of these other conferences. And 
I feel like he's done a really good job of just being able to take some baby steps for Robert Morris to be, as you were mentioning, one of those teams I expect to be in the middle of the pack when it comes to this conference. Yeah, historically, Coach Tool has always lost his best players to a transfer reporter or RMU, so losing Enoch Cheeks to Dayton isn't something that's unexpected for them. The problem was they could replace Tyler much easier in the NEC than the Horizon League, and when he brought the team in there, there was a lot of culture issues. Like There were guys that just weren't fits for his system and culture. Last year, that changed. There were guys that he wanted and that fit him, and that's why they were fairly competitive, and they were a win against IEPUI away from getting a bye in the Horizon League tournament. They do lose their top two guys, but they bring back Several others, they sharpshooter Josh Corbin, they bring freshman big man Stephon Walker, who was an all-conference freshman. And then the transfer is Marquise Hastings, who was a, who was a great rebounder at his last stop. He's someone that can impact in the Horizon League. And then Justice Williams is, is probably the biggest X-factor in the whole conference. He was at one time a five-star prospect, played two years at LSU, didn't produce, didn't produce too much. But as we saw from Jamal Kane in his lone year, at Oakland, coming from Marquette, you can come down here and dominate. It's an offensive-friendly league, and if he has as big a year as he potentially could, then is going to become a contender because there are pieces around him that's really good, and there is depth on this roster. So I'm very interested to see what he looks like in the first few games of the season. Yep, I'm right there with you. And bringing in a talent like a Justice Williams, a former top 150 recruit from LSU, that's not something that you typically find from Robert Morris. So nice upgrade there. And this podcast, it always upgrades whenever we've got you aboard, Tristan. You do an amazing job taking a look at the great game of college basketball and let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you because I know that you're starting up more of your conference previews, diving in on these teams and how people are able to follow along on social media and other platforms. Yes, sir. You can find me at Hoopsnut351 on Twitter. You can also follow at Busted Brackets for the latest in college basketball. And after this weekend, we're going to be doing up final reviews of the offseason, giving grades for the top teams and analyzing some transfers. And then starting in September, we're going to be officially previewing the 2023-24 season as we're now 100 days left in the offseason before we can get some on-the-court action. Let me tell you, Tristan, it cannot come soon enough. And I know that Tristan has been doing an absolutely impeccable job taking a look at this great game that we all know and love of college basketball and Always lends tremendous insights whenever he's on this podcast. Big thanks to Tristan for joining me on Coast to Coast Hoops, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And if you ever have any questions, comments, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at JDNRS41. Keep in mind, letters DM. Amy does not matter. As per usual, please send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Via that five star review and if you do like hearing from this time podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. I'm with you guys every single day on this podcast. The conference previews, they're continuing to trickle in. I am going to be doing the MEAC within the next 72 hours. I hope to have it up tomorrow. Might need to be in about two to three days, but we're working on the MEAC. And then once we get done with all these conference previews, it's going to be time for the upcoming season where I'll be giving you guys picks and analysis on every single game, every single day. I do truly appreciate you guys tuning in today and every single day. And I'm with you guys every single day. So I'll be back with you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 